Hi friends, I'm Tierney. I'm Keeney. And I'm Shelby. And we're Dead, Dead Drunk. Drunk. We're back. Hello. Hey. What's up? <laughs> um, I think today we're just going to jump into the cocktail and then the case. We're going to get this show on the road. Would you feel? Yeah. Road trip. Let's go. So, Katie, do you want to tell us about this lovely cocktail that you're concocting? I do. It's a very complicated one. Just kidding. It's two ingredients. It is called the... Starry Night Shot. And we'll explain... Well, we don't even have to explain. You'll get that later on. Yeah, at the end of the episode, you'll understand why we did this theme. Yeah, so shot episode. Woot woot. Yeah, Tierney will tell you Yes. shots. So throughout the case, I will tell you when to take a shot because we're going to make this into a drinking game. It's going to be lots of fun. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so don't listen to this while you're driving. And Mm -hmm. by the end, we're going to be like... Then he got arrested. (laughs) (laughs) That was not a good drunk voice. Hold on, let me check out. Your drunk voice is Irish. Yeah. He got arrested. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna grab yourself a bottle of dun 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 eager. And then you're gonna grab a bottle of Goldschlager, which is a really nice liqueur, and I think you'll enjoy it. It's beautiful. And it has gold in it. It's like a fireball was really classy and it's going to be half and half jaeger and goldschlager and it looks like a beautiful starry night yes and there you go that's why it's called that so you're gonna slug that shit down anytime tyranny says so yeah dance puppets dance yes (laughs) yes yes we all have cats in our laps right now we're petting them (laughs) so with that being said let's jump into our case of gary charles evans Before I start telling you this story, I want to tell you that a lot of the information that I got about this case was from a book by Alexis Malone, and it is called Scumbag, the True Story of Gary Charles Evans. Well, that's promising. (laughs) If that gives you any idea of what's about to happen. Great thing, I'm Um, assuming. I'm really excited about this piece of shit. About this scumbag, yeah. (laughs) All right, so Gary Charles Evans was born in Troy, New York. On October 7th, 1954. Fun fact, I was also born in Troy, New York. Holla. His family included his father, Roy, his mother, Flora, and his half-sister, Robbie. And Joe Realm, their neighbor, also spent a lot of time with the family. And so Evans referred to her as his big sister. However, there was no real relation between them, but they were really close. Gary's childhood was extremely tough, as we've seen with a lot of the other cases we've covered. His mother was mentally ill and made many suicide attempts throughout his childhood. She reportedly threatened suicide in front of the children multiple times and even went as far as pulling out guns while she was doing so and kind of like waving them around the room. I was really excited for her. I really love Flora as a name. It makes me think of those three fairies from Sleeping Beauty. Oh, yeah. It's a nice name. Where was was... Fauna and Meriwether to help her out? Yeah, I don't know. She needed them for sure. During one of these threats, she accidentally shot her husband, Roy, in the shoulder. Jesus. There are other reports of a time when Robbie, the daughter, had to quite literally talk her mother off a ledge. 
and she would also often wander out onto train tracks to wait for the trains to come. Her wrists were always scarred as well from previous suicide attempts, so she was very mentally unstable. What year are we in? Was there help? It was the 50s. Oh. So, like, so not really. Nah. So not. Which is unfortunate. Flora was also unfaithful to her husband, Roy, and did not try to hide it from the children. Gary claims that she would bring other men home often and make him stand outside the door while she had sex with them and listen. Jesus fucking Christ. This isn't setting women up in a great light for this guy. <laughs> Mm-mm. Unfortunately, Roy was not much of a better parent to the kids. Roy was a retired military veteran, and after a bad car accident, he was permanently disabled. This angered him a lot, and he would take it all out on Gary, beating him mercilessly with leather belts. He would tie him to the dinner table until he finished his meals. And according to Gary, he also raped him, but there's no proof that this actually happened. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Even without the rape, it was terrible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In Gary's words, it was something that he wouldn't wish on anyone. Well, that's nice. Gary's parents argued often, and he was not allowed any form of entertainment as he was locked in his room during these arguments. They wouldn't let him read, they wouldn't let him draw or watch TV or do anything. So, did he just stare at the wall? I guess. (laughs) Yeah. So, he really did not have a good home environment, to say the least. I've stared at the wall before. It's not fun at all. (laughs) It does not make the time go faster. You guys ever get home drunk and, like, just have to stare at the road? the wall and focus on not dying no you've never had the spins before no i have i haven't stare i usually i don't know why but i close my eyes that feel like that's really it doesn't help no but try i'm staring drunk at the and wall i'm stupid and try to focus on not dying my staring at the wall is mostly in anger when i'm still awake at 3 a.m but that's... go ahead i've always been told if you have the spins you're supposed to put one hand on the wall and one hand on the floor or sorry one foot on the floor i was like what you're supposed to twister (laughs) just do a backflip you'll be fine get out the game of twister (laughs) all right so gary was known to torture animals as a child i'm not gonna go too far into it because sad babies but um he did once set a cat on fire okay you could have asked me to leave politely and i would have left why did somebody then set him on fire because that seems like poetic justice So if you guys are big into true crime, you probably have heard of the McDonald's triad. It basically says that if one displays any combination of two of the three things that they're probably going to be a sociopath, the three things that the triad mentions are bedwetting after age 12, cruelty to animals, and fire setting. So just from this one action where he did set the cat on fire, that's two out of the three. Oh, he... He killed two birds with one stone. Yeah. So we know that Gary was probably a sociopath. Why did you have to say that, Shelby? I'm sorry. It worked. Don't set cats on fire because I'll set you on fire. Forensic psychologist Wendy Lipscomb brings the nature versus nurture debate into the case of Gary Evans. She says he was abused by his father physically and perhaps sexually. This coupled with the mental abuse by his mother made the wiring of his brain abnormal without question. He had no one to turn to for guidance, really, other than his sister, Robbie, and big sister, Joe. He would remain wired that way for the rest of his life, having more of an ability to relate to women more so than men. 
Does that mean, is she blaming it on the nurture? Because it kind of sounds like the nurture changed his nature. Yeah. Yeah, I think that she's saying a lot of the abuse from his parents morphed him into the person he was going to be. Like, I think we talked about for other people, maybe it was Iceman. Iceman, we talked about nature and nurture because his, um, I believe it was Dr. Park Dietz probably, who suggested that it was a combination of the two right so like if he has these sociopathic tendencies but he has a really really great upbringing then maybe he'll channel these tendencies to be a cop or somebody that can use that to help Mm -hmm. people you know what i mean but because he didn't have the nurture that's why his life took this turn if that makes sense interesting that's yeah. interesting because I always thought it was really nature and nurture and it's how nurture affects the nature. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I agree. So Gary's life of crime begins at the young age of eight years old. Because his mother was a shoplifter, he too would steal things, including a $1,000 ring when he was eight. Whoa. Yeah. So Evan's parents divorced when he was 14 years old. In the next three years, his mother, Flora, was married and divorced four more times. How many years was that? Three years. And so she had more marriages than years. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She married mostly alcoholic men before realizing that she was a lesbian. What? (laughs) And then she had a girlfriend. Because of his mother's volatile nature, Evans moved in with his sister, Robbie, and Robbie's husband. This didn't last long, however, because Robbie's husband was also abusive, which forced Gary to the streets. Gary needed a way to make money now. His way at first was to steal from drug dealers, which I feel like is just never a good idea. No. Like, not the people to piss off. At age 16, he served three months for a burglary. After this, he moved in with two of his childhood friends, Tim Reisdorf and Michael Falco. These will be big players in the rest of this case. They would become, quite literally, his partners in crime. Dope. Timothy was a thief, like Gary, and Michael had a history of abusing animals, so basically they were not great people. I was really excited for Falco to be like a crime lord, because that's what it sounds like. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds like somebody Detective Falco. Oh, that would be better! Go the right way. (laughs) Yeah. Your name is cooler that way. I feel so bad for Shelby. She has so much hope for this episode, and she's just being let down by every name. (laughs) Mm, That's okay. Yeah, I'm so sorry. All right, so Gary began to run cons in antique shops, which became his thing. He would pretend to be an expert on antique items so that he could study the stores, when they opened up, when they closed, what doors they locked, etc. Then he would break in and steal items, and his partners in crime would help him pull off these burglaries. Gary Evans would be convicted for 15 of these robberies throughout his lifetime. So they weren't good at it. Um, they were good at it. He probably did way more than 15. Oh, okay. Lipscomb stated that Gary Evans did not really view Tim or Michael as friends, although they helped with all of his crimes. They were his partners, and that was all he saw them as. He viewed people as ways to help him. He would use them for what he needed and then dump them if he had to without any regard for their feelings, which is kind of another sign that maybe he was sociopathic. Evans also had many girlfriends. The most prominent was Deirdre, who he dated for 13 years. Their relationship was not monogamous, though, as Evans was okay with Deirdre dating other men. However, these men all had to be white. 
Their relationship ended when she began to date a black man in 1990, and Evans became extremely angry, and that's the last time they spoke. Oh, so he's also racist. Yep. He's just... <laughs> he's all the total package. Guy. Yeah. On January 13th, 1997, Evans was caught burglarizing a home in Lake Placid, New York, and was sentenced to four years at the Clinton Correctional Facility in Dannemora. If you are real crime fans, especially if you live in the area or watch any TV, this place might sound familiar to you. This is the same prison where the escapees tunneled out from a couple years ago and the place that Escape from Dannemora was based on. Cool. Fun fact. <laughs> Evan's father died of cancer while he was in jail. Was that sad for him? Because I, I... I don't think so. Yeah. So Evans only served two of the four years that he was sentenced to. And since he was released, I think that means we need to take a shot. Hey, oh. hey, pour up. Every time he's released from jail, we're going to take a shot because this is going to become a pattern. Ugh. So once released, Evans went right back to Tim and Michael and the three continued their robberies. After being caught again, since he was still on parole, he went straight back to prison, this time to the Rensselaer County Jail in Troy, New York. Gary planned and executed an escape from this facility. So take a shot. Oh, God damn it, I'm going to die. But was caught just five hours later and punished with solitary confinement. He was then transferred to Attica State Prison, which also may sound familiar... Because this is where our friend Kendall Francois served time as well. Oh, Isn't this the prison that's supposed to be really hard to break out of, too? Yes. Many <laughs> violent criminals were housed here as it was a maximum security facility. While he was there, he worked as an informant for Jim Horton, who also becomes a big player in this case. He was the investigator. So he worked as an informant for Jim Horton and helped him to set up a large drug bust while he was in jail. On December 29th, 1982, we can take a third shot because Gary Evans was released from jail. And can you guess what he did? There you go, right back to Tim and Mike. He went right back to his two buddies, Tim and Mike, to continue their crimes. Unfortunately, just a couple months later, Flora, his mother, died in a freak accident. She slipped while she was getting into her car on a patch of ice and hit her head on the bumper and died. Oh my gosh. So on Easter of 1983, Gary was arrested yet again for breaking into somebody's home. Take a shot because he was released only after a year. But again, he did not stop burglarizing homes and businesses. This boy did just not learn his lesson. Oh, he definitely did not. Why would you break in on Easter? Aren't they there? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. I have no idea. No, he just really... Like, he's like in an unstable relationship with uh, prison. Where it's like on again, off again? I don't know. He's just not very bright. On February 16th of 1985, Evans and his pal Michael Falco robbed another antique store. They climbed up to the roof and dropped through a hatch, stealing approximately $15,000 worth of items. Once they got back outside, the men, quote unquote, whooped and hollered about how much they had managed to steal. Is uh, right now, I love them. Like, I want to watch burglarizing movies about the two yeah. of them. <laughs> so, obviously, a cop heard them whooping and hollering <laughs> in the middle of the night on the street and pulled up alongside them to ask what was going on. Evans was very charming. 
and he put on his charm and he was able to talk the two out of the situation, claiming that they had to take a piss. What? They were celebrating that? Yeah, I guess. Evans could be very charming when he had to be, as I said, and because he was a seasoned con artist at this time, it was really easy for him to convince people that he was a good guy. Wow. Yeah. So see what happened. On April 21st of 1985, Evans went to sell weed to two dealers. The dealers paid him the money, which was $12,000, but instead of giving them the weed, he ran. Oh, my God. Evans circled around and stole the car of the two guys that he was selling the weed to and drove away inside it. Oh, my God. The men called the cops and told them that he robbed them at gunpoint, which he did have a gun. Wow. Evans then ran a red light in Cohoes with the stolen car and was being pulled over because he ran the red light, but thought that he was being pulled over for the crime. And so he threw the money and the gun out the window of the car. Imagine being that cop. (laughs) that pulled him over for the running the light and then was like whoa this is a stolen car (laughs) yeah so he was later charged and sent to the albany county jail and that july he was sentenced to another two to four years take a shot because after he was released this time gary evans committed his first murder no that's whack did he serve two or four years I don't know. I didn't uh, say. Let's just say it was I four. would say it's probably two. Mm. I don't think that he ever served his like maximum time. Oh, that's gross. After a burglary, Tim said that Michael Falco had stolen jewelry from the loot of one of their robberies and given it to one of his girlfriends. So like he had taken the stuff that they all stole together, the three of them, and like taken some of that without splitting it evenly. Obviously, Evans was enraged when Tim told him this and decided that he needed to kill Michael Falco. Oh, no. Did you see my face change when I, I realized did. where you were going? No, it's pitch black I was in here. I so can't see it all. horrified. That's not how I want Falco to go. No, that's not how anyone wanted Falco to go. I'm so sorry. You're going to be okay. <laughs> Shelby's not He's a not guy. a good guy, but like I just you wanted him to go and like blaze of glory with like 40 cops holding a bag of diamonds. Oh, uh-huh. no. Using parts of a screen door and duct tape, Evans made a homemade silencer. Holy fuck. Which he would attach to a 22 caliber pistol and shoot Falco with. He did that without Google. What? Honestly, <laughs> he's an idiot, but at least he's not that much of an he's idiot. He's an idiot? No, BTK is an idiot. No, this guy yeah. made his own silencer out of a door. Yeah. Yeah. Evans enlisted the help of his buddy Tim to load Falco's body into the back of his car inside a sleeping bag, and the two drove to Florida to visit Robbie, Gary's older sister. They buried his body there. It later was said that Tim had lied about the whole thing and that Tim was the one that stole the jewelry and that he blamed it on Michael so that he wouldn't get Oh my goodness. That's so fucked up. See what happens when you lie to your friends, guys? So Michael was was killed for something that he didn't even do. That's really I'm literally so shocked. I'm so angry. Yeah. Shelby's not okay. I'm not okay. My whole face changed. I mean, you were watching me for that. And I hope you got a really good show because, (laughs) oh my gosh. (laughs) Amazing. So obviously you were escalating here. Evans returned to prison again when he was caught for another burglary. Whoa. (laughs) And it says that in prison, 
Gary Evans experimented with his sexuality and reportedly had relationships with trans people. Like, yes, queen. In December of 1986, he was moved back to the Clinton Correctional Facility. It was here where he would become friends with an infamous murderer, David Berkowitz. Ooh. More commonly known as Son of Sam. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. I want to cover him. Can we, we do that? Yeah, let us know if you want us to cover the Son of Sam case, because I think that would be a really cool one to do. You don't even have to tell me. I'll do it right now. <laughs> just, <laughs> just hijack Tierney's episode. No, I'm just But kidding. you should email us. Or you can I actually, yeah, you can comment on the website. <laughs> yeah, well, you, there's a bunch of ways to get in in touch with us so let us know if you want to hear that case from us yes please do that so berkowitz called evans the great tricep king because the basis of their relationship in jail is that they would work out together and apparently evans had killer tries this friendship was explosive however and the two got into screaming matches kind of often um, Berkowitz gave Evans a muscle magazine with a black man on it, and so Evans got mad. Berkowitz would later apologize because he didn't realize how racist Evans was, and he wouldn't have given it to him. He apologized because Evans was racist. Yeah, my, so my how much stuff boy. is that? Like, imagine going to your friend, my bad, bro. I didn't realize you were Well, these racist. are prison friends. We're like, it's okay to be terrible. So he's like, oh, my bad. I, I didn't realize like you were that racist. I thought you were that other guy that was racist towards other another race. <laughs> I hate everyone. They also fought when Evans called Berkowitz Berserkowitz. (laughs) Like when I call you Tyrannosaurus Rex. Or like... He got so mad. And so this was kind of like the end of their time together. They didn't really... (laughs) That's That's hilarious that that is like... Berserkowitz, I know. So Evans earned his way back into solitary confinement... When one day he entered a child molester cell and, quote unquote, body slammed him all over. Whoa. Yeah, which. I mean, like, I'm not mad at that. (laughs) I think that's kind of. Well, that's usually a code for the life offenders, right? Yeah. I know that a lot of people when they are like child molesters don't make it in prison. Good. They They shouldn't. They shouldn't make it anywhere. They should have. But I meant, you know, like people that no, yeah. get, yeah, people that get sent for life, they're like, I have nothing to lose. Let yep. me get rid of this child guy who's going to be out in the streets in four yeah. years. Yeah. Nice. So yeah. he earned solitary confinement for that, but he was released from prison two weeks later in March of 1988. So take a shot. Woo. As you can probably guess, when Evans got out of jail, he went back to his burglaries. Did he call Tim? Yeah, well, well, we'll he, talk about a new friend that he makes. But I want to point out that now because of Berserkowitz, Evans was also jacked now. Like, he was huge. So this gave him a new physical confidence that allowed him to escalate his crimes further. God damn it, son of Sam. Evans met a man named Damian Cuomo, who he would find to be a new partner for him. These two became even better at being criminals through their work together. Evans began to wear shoes that were much too big for him to help throw investigators off his trail. Almost a year later, Evans was caught again. However, he had hidden the stolen goods in the door panels and under the carpets in his car, so the police couldn't find it. 
Unfortunately for him, the ski masks, walkie-talkies, police scanner, guns, screwdrivers, duct tape, crowbars, ropes, gloves, hats, hand handcuffs that were found in the car were enough to book them on the crime. Oh my that gosh. That just sounds like a great night. No, and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> so again, Evans went to jail very briefly and take a shot because he got out and picked right back up where he and Cuomo had left off together. Cuomo. Fucking Cuomo. Cuomo. Have you noticed a pattern yet? Cuomo sucks. Because this whole time Evans is like on police radar mm-hmm. and he's getting away with so much more than they know. Yep. On September 8th of 1989, Evans would claim his second victim, Douglas Berry. Berry was a shop owner who had fallen asleep in his shop after it had closed. Evans and Cuomo didn't expect to find him in the shop when they broke in, but he woke up when he, they heard um, the glass shattering. Mm-hmm. So Evans decided to kill him. He shot him in the head with his 22 caliber, which did the trick. That's really fucking sad, actually. Yeah. Three months later, Cuomo ended up with a similar fate. Evans handcuffed him and shot him three times in the back of the head because Evans believed that he deserved more than the $15,000 Cuomo gave him from their latest robbery. He thought that he was like withholding money from him, so he killed him. Evans wrapped up Cuomo's body in a shower curtain and buried him in a hole that he had dug weeks before in his backyard. So that means that oh it was Oh my god, it was so premeditated. Oh. As not to look suspicious, Evans went to Florida with his then-girlfriend to make it look like they were going on a planned trip. In October of 1981, Evans would kill another jewelry shop owner, Gregory Joben. This time was different, though, because killing him was not a freak accident. This one was premeditated. Evans walked into the store casually, pretending to be shopping for some jewelry. And when Joben turned his head, Evans shot him three times. I hate that. So he just wanted to kill on his burglars, on his burglary. Yeah, I think he thought that he would get more money. I think maybe he, after like the first one, he kind of gotten a thrill out of it. Yeah, and he's getting cockier because he's getting Mm -hmm. to be better at it. And he's gotten away with so much, one of them for so long. Yeah. So being a professional at this point, Evans had wrapped a pillowcase around his gun so that when he shot, it collected the shells and there was no evidence at the scene for police to find. That's actually really smart. I remember that. (laughs) Don't. That's scary. He then stole around $60,000 of jewelry from the store. And then in a panic, he flew to Colorado. I've been there. Then he returned and buried the gun he used in a metal box in Albany Rural Cemetery, which is where my bishop is buried. Shout out. And I have other like family members and people that we know that are buried there. So it's like kind of crazy. You shouted out a dead person? Yeah, what the fuck? (laughs) That was amazing. While at the cemetery, Evan successfully stole a 1,000 pound marble bench that he was able to sell three days later. How? What? I don't know the logistics, but he did it. He also stole an eagle statue that was atop somebody's grave. Lipscomb said that in regards to the death of Cuomo, Gary no longer had a regular partner, so he had to strong arm some of his burglaries, as was the case with the Joe Ben murder. He wouldn't be able to break in by himself, so he takes a more direct approach. This bold new attitude speaks of his growing arrogance. Even if he goes to jail, he'll come right back out. He's a man that will steal anything that isn't nailed down. 
Even if it is nailed down, he'll try and take out the nails. Wow. So, again, it's a premeditated murder now because he knows that he won't be able to break in by himself. So he's like, I might as well just kill him. Yeah, so he he definitely wanted to, is what yeah. she's saying, right? Yeah, but also he's like, well, I don't have this partner anymore, so I need to be more direct. I don't know. I mean, he got rid of the partner. Yeah. <laughs> he's killed <laughs> two of him. the three at this point, so we all know what's going to happen to Tim Reisdorf. In March of 1993, he robbed yet another shop, stealing over $20,000 worth of antiques. Evans had a thing for cemeteries. He hung out in them a bunch, and he tried to steal yet another marble bench from one of them. What the fuck? This time, though, he was caught doing so and sent back to jail. However, take a shot, because he only was in jail for a month this time. The Norman Williams Public Library in Woodstock, Vermont, was home to a priceless book called The Birds of America by James Audubon. Evans saw this as a new opportunity and attempted to steal it. He was caught, and he was sentenced to 27 months in jail. Take a shot, because after only 13 of those months, he was let out of jail again. That's a strange sentence. Yeah. Upon being released, he killed his childhood friend, Tim Reisdorf. What the fuck? The two men were cleaning out a storage area where they kept many of their stolen goods, and Evans decided to shoot Tim. Out of nowhere? Yeah. Um, trigger warning for those like Katie who don't want to hear all the gory details. About? Evans proceeded to dismember Tim's body using a chainsaw and separated him into five different cardboard boxes. That's pretty fucked up. He buried the boxes in a shallow grave in Brunswick, New York. He then tossed the gun and the chainsaw into the Hudson River. Ugh, there's so many murder weapons in that river. Tim was reported missing by his wife, Dana. She said she had talked to him, and when he called from a Dunkin' Donuts, he told her that he would be home in an hour, but then he never showed up. He had left a note for his family on the kitchen table that morning that said, Have a good day. See you later. I love you. Oh, wait, I just hated him. You humanized him, damn it. I'm sorry. How Instead dare of a you? Stupid piece of shit human. Now he's a family man. Oh, and I'm sad. Oh, this is a roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> so Evans at this point decided to call Cuomo's girlfriend Lisa. What the fuck? He ended up befriending her and asked her what happened to Mike, what happened to Tim, what happened to Damien. He then would give her reasons for why Cuomo hadn't returned, saying He's probably living his best life in the Bahamas, but like the other two are probably dead. Lisa actually ended up letting Evans live with her, obviously not knowing that he had killed her boyfriend. Oh, oh my God. gosh. Yeah, she just thought like, oh, this was his really good pal. Like, of course I can let him stay here. So police finally tracked the killing of Tim Reisdorf back to Evans. Evans then confessed to all five murders and was transferred to Albany County Jail. He would then lead investigators to the bodies of Cuomo, Falco, and Reisdorf. Whoa. Investigator Jim Horton, who was obviously quite familiar with Gary Evans because of his countless times in jail, made Evans call Lisa on the phone and confess to killing Damien Cuomo. Whoa. Lisa was completely blindsided and beside herself at this news because she had no idea that Evans had been lying to her about this for so long because Evans had convinced her that he was alive and just like out of the country. That's the 
best serving of justice I've ever heard. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure like, that Evans didn't care about it You need to sit down all, and call. But yeah. that was awesome. And that was the guy that he had been the informant for. Whoa. Right. So the prosecutor on Evans' case decided that he would be tried as a capital offender and that he was going to sentence him to death by lethal injection. On the way to his hearing, Evans kicked the door out of the van and propelled himself over the side of the Troy Manans Bridge and into the Hudson River. <gasps> He reportedly hobbled to the side of the bridge, took off his handcuffs, and flipped off the officers as he fell to his death. They did find um, in his autopsy that he had a razor blade and a paperclip taped to his ankle, and then he had a second razor and the key to the handcuffs shoved up his nose. So Mm. he had stolen the keys to the handcuffs. That's how he got out of them. Oh, my gosh. Up his nose? Yeah. I just that's am kind blown of blown away by the way that he went out. Honestly, that was, was too good of a it, way to yeah, go. Yeah, there were people that described it as like, uh, like incredible, just like how he. I mean, it kinda is, but like he didn't get the justice that we. Oh needed. no! But it was like a way to go out. Yeah, like, but he shouldn't have been able to go out on his terms. Oh, I agree with you. You don't get to choose that. Yeah, I agree with you. So Evans did actually leave behind a suicide note. He had sent it to his lawyer. So his last words were, and this is why we made a starry night shot. No lessons here were learned. On to a better place now. My friends are happy, and I'm already there with Canis Major, a star of the constellation Orion, and a beautiful blue moon with a smile. Stars surround me, and peace and love are mine. They can't be taken or touched. I win. And he had underlined the word win. So upon hearing of Evan's suicide, Michael Falco's family and friends spoke, and they felt no remorse for the death of Evans. They talked to his sister, Michael Falco's sister, and she said, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. I'll probably go to hell for that, but I can't help it. That's the way I felt. It's terrible to feel so relieved that somebody jumped to his death, but I can't help it. Jesus. Sal Falco, the older brother of Michael, said, I'm going to tell you, when I saw him on TV and he had this very smug, arrogant, non-remorseful look on his face, I knew he's no good. I think there's a higher power that says it's time for you to stand in my court, and there's a tougher jury up there. Michael's brother continues, Forgive? Forgive him for killing my brother? No way. There's no reason to kill my brother. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't deserve that kind of a sentence. They then talked to Falco's former girlfriend and the mother of his two children, and she said, He killed Michael when he was 26. He had a family and two children to look forward to. I was hoping he would go to jail. Justice still hasn't been served. I think the gates of hell are opening wide open for this man. The fires are burning pretty crisp. I hope to God they suffocate him. Ooh. Wow. I love that. But yeah. I also hate that it's happening and she had to say that. Yeah, and that's the story of Gary Charles Evans. What a fucking roller coaster. That's a pretty good segue into what I want to tell you. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you know me, I talk a lot about um, Dead Files because I love Dead Files. It's a show on Travel Channel, not at all like Ghost Adventures, which is 
the show on Chapel Channel. Gotcha. But Dead Files is so man. much better. So uh, Amy Allen is the psychic, but there's also a detective and he does the real digging and she just does the walk through the house. But the walk through the house is dope. One of the recent ones, she ran into a murderer on her walk. What? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And a murderer, like, he's dead. Okay. But... <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? She's just like strolling along and fucking Ted Bundy pops out. He's just like, what's up, kid? <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm alive. No. <laughs> Bitches. So I'm, I don't remember if she knew his name, but she just knew that he was a killer and that his victims were waiting for him. So uh, then she said that when someone kills another person, that person waits for them in the afterlife. That's- and they have to be served justice for the afterlife which is it being known that they were terrible in the real world i love that more than anything so we're helping them get their justice nice f yeah so for our caboose today we are going to answer a question from a listener that was sent in on instagram so who is it from katie 80s boogie on instagram yep all right so his question is go ahead what is the go-to drink order for you three? All right. So what do we order when you go to a bar? Who wants to start? I guess I'll start. Okay. Hi, this is Katie. <laughs> <laughs> and usually I ask for a triple shot of Milagro. Um, just neat. No additives. And then I also ask for a kid's meal. <laughs> so sometimes they're weird about it. Like sometimes they don't want to give you a kid's portion, which is annoying because I don't want to food waste, but... I also just want to drink like a 800 pound man so like where is why do they have to be so mean why you gotta be so mean <laughs> all right so straight milagro shelby oh i'm pretty boring i'll usually just get a beer fair respectable honestly. Yeah, respectable my preferred is blue moon if that's the <laughs> specific question uh, i think that I is i have a follow-up question on shelby's answer um orange or no orange always orange i respect it i feel like i go between a few recently i've been drinking the claw because no laws in your <laughs> drinking claws but if i'm gonna get like a mixed drink i always get tito's and club and sometimes i'll get like a splash of something fun like i'll do a splash of cranberry or a splash of pomegranate <laughs> i feel like shelby and i are like i'm, I'm the housewife i'm out here drinking milagro all day and Shelby is like the man coming home from work and you're our like teenage daughter <laughs> that, we, that we have to keep on a short leash. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So that's me. But you're also mom. Yeah. So, it's so we're curious as to what you guys like to drink. Maybe we could incorporate some recipes into our drinks in the future. So if you want to let us know what your favorite drink is, yes, you can contact us at Dead Drunk Crime on all the things, or you can email us at deaddrunkpod at gmail.com. And don't forget our new website, which is deadrunkcrime.home.blog. Share that D, guys. And that'll be all linked in our description below. Mm-hmm. And please don't forget, guys, on the Apple podcast, if you're listening on that, please leave us a review. We really want to hear feedback. And we need our stars. I'm not going to lie. Anytime I read a new review, I kind of cry. But like <laughs> a good cry. So please do that and just 
send us messages we really love getting them so please do that yeah all right well thanks guys and bye mom bye bye all right so if you guys are into big huh sorry (laughs) did you start writing an ad for a penis enlargement pillar (laughs) (laughs) sorry that was an ad hot singles in your area (laughs) sorry Uh, i'm gonna hate myself when i edit this later (laughs)